Welcome to the Becoming Beautiful I Am podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Joan. So last week, we took a deep dive and we looked at the forgiveness that had to be offered to Derek Chauvin for the killing and the murder of George Floyd. But there's so many other layers that we would have to look at. And one of the essential elements of the forgiveness process is coming to a place of compassion. As we have compassion for the other, what we're doing is we're beginning to reflect on the ways in which we have done precisely and maybe exactly the same thing as that individual. In some way, shape or form, I am responsible, whether it is six degrees of separation or 600 degrees of separation, I am responsible for the death of George Floyd. How? Sometimes it's an unawareness. Sometimes it's an inaction. Sometimes it's about caring about just me and not anyone else in society. And in that way, I participate in the continuation of a system that would perpetuate violence against another person because of their race and these false categories of humanity that we've created. We heal, we move forward, we let go as we come to that place of compassionate understanding. I want to take you this week into a different direction. And I want to ask you a question before we even begin. How legit are you? Yeah, it's a question of legitimacy. How legit are you? I ask the question, and you know that I often use my own personal experiences because I kind of just go with whatever is flowing through my life at this time. I feel like the people who are coming into my life can use that information as well. So I did a forgiveness this weekend and it brought me to a place that surprised me. At this stage in my transformation journey, I didn't expect it and yet it was such a powerful forgiveness. It went so deep. It taught me so much. It brought forward a part of myself that I didn't even know was there. It was so strange. You know that when we do our forgiveness, we do it in front of a mirror. Why do we do it in front of a mirror? Because we have these brain cells called mirror neurons. And these brain cells help us to empathize with others. It helps us to have compassion for others, helps us to step into their shoe. But here's the thing. As we stand in front of the mirror, three things are happening. We're in three places at the same time. We're revisiting the past with the individual who has wounded us. So as we look in the right or left eye, and I'm gonna to talk to you more about that, we're revisiting the past in a moment that wounded us. And we go back as an observer. And as we go into that moment in the past, what we're doing is we're almost doing like a historical investigation. We're beginning to make this a new memory because we're beginning to see things in a way that we've never seen them before. As we, though, stand in front of the mirror, right? Like I have a mirror right here in my office. And, you know, as I am looking in this mirror, I'm seeing myself in the present moment. So I'm in the past, but I'm also looking at myself in this present moment. But here's the thing, as the whole process of forgiveness unfolds, we eventually have to look into the future. 
So past is visited, present stands still, and the future is now formed in a whole different way with new thoughts, new understanding, new awareness of our fears, new awareness of the things that we want and love, new awareness of some of the things we need to take responsibility for in order to actually shift the future. So I was questioning my legitimacy and it was happening in these different layers that I hadn't anticipated. And it really evoked something in me. It really brought something out that kind of shocked me. So whether it's our profession, our identity, all of these different elements that can apply. Sometimes we question our, legi our legitimacy. <laughs> so let me walk you through what happened. And I want to just walk you through the journey and the process because for those of you that are black people, there's a certain level of questioning our legitimacy that happens that I don't think we often think about. For all the other races, perhaps it's the same. And I wish you'll reach out to me and let me know how this you know, episode actually impacts you. But let's take a deep dive. It was a pretty deep dive. So I had two scenarios happen a couple of days ago. And the first one was this. Um, a client had come to see me. Now you all know that I'm a nurse psychotherapist, that I do this thing called becoming therapy, where I'm helping people to forgive, to heal on these multiple levels. She had come, she had obviously gotten her receipt. She paid me. She submitted her receipt to her insurance company and she was approved the first time, but the second time they questioned my credentials and then actually said that they made a mistake and that she would have to give the money back for the first receipt that they reimbursed her for. Now, this has happened to me over and over and over again. I'm a, at the time before I did this forgiveness, I called myself an enigma. And why would I use such a disparaging word for myself, right? An enigma is something that's just kind of stuck like on a log. It's an oddity. Um, it's something that doesn't quite fit in. And yet I was calling myself that on a regular basis because for those of you who are listening to this podcast, you know that I do things a little bit differently, that I see things very differently. But I'd been using this negative connotation to go along with my very different and unique style of seeing things. So when I received that email, there was kind of like a, oh, I can't believe this happened again. And why? So I did some research. I went to um, the College of Registered Psychotherapists and I was able to find some information from them, which I'd found before, but now is collating it in a whole different way. The information basically said which disciplines in the medical field are allowed to do, legally allowed to do, psychotherapy and of course nurses were listed amongst them. I went to the College of Nurses website and even now as I'm speaking to you I'm feeling in my gut this sense of unworthiness because of the questioning of my credentials, right? Uh, it's not that I feel unworthy but I'm taking on something that is out there and projecting it onto myself and then I'm actually believing it as I'm thinking it so that's got to stop. I went to the College of Nurses website and of course they said the same thing as the College of Res Registered Psychotherapists that nurses are indeed able to do psychotherapy. I found one other piece of documentation which in the years prior to 2019 nurses could not actually independently provide psychotherapy. They had to have the permission of a physician. Yeah. <laughs> 
Nursing has been around since 1959. We have counseled many people, but it's only in 2019 that we were being released to actually do therapy without a, a physician's permission. So you understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> Let me continue on. <laughs> so I put all of this information in an email and my client had forwarded the email from her insurer. So I copied her on the email but directed it to the insurer. And basically I said to them, I am legitimately doing my job in the province of Ontario. I am recognized for doing that job. And I would now like you to follow suit and actually start recognizing and acknowledging my credentials by reimbursing my, clan, my clients uh, for benefits that they have available to them. So in the afternoon, something different happened that made me question my legitimacy. <laughs> I had written a, a letter or an email to a client that I hadn't seen for some time. Um, I saw him three times. He was experiencing suicidal ideations. And because I know the layers that there are in this transformation process, I know that sometimes, even though we experience this wonderful release from all of those old emotions, because we're forgiving in these layers, those emotions will come back. So we have to revisit those moments and forgive at yet again another layer. So here are the layers. We forgive on a more fleshy kind of level. It's kind of like what we see, hear, speak, you know, all of those basic senses in the moment that wound us. We're going to recall all of those and we're going to forgive them. But then we also forgive on a new level, a new layer, and that is the layer that we call the soul. This is where we're dealing with our intellect. We're dealing with our emotions. We're dealing with our intelligence, right? We have to forgive at that level too. And then there's a third level, the level of the spirit. This has more to do with conscience. It has more to do with will. It has to do with self. It has to do with the willingness to be obedient and faithful. So because I know these levels exist, I'd reached out to this client. And I must admit that I don't expect I don't explain the levels to my clients and now I know I will moving forward, but I don't explain the levels to them simply because some people when they're healing and especially when they're in that fleshy zone, they can't take in too much information. So I have to present it to them a little bit later on. In any case, I reached out to this client. How are you? Just wondering, you know, how things have been and his response back to me was a little bit of a kick to the ego. Here's what he had to say. He said basically that his symptoms had returned, that he had gone to his family physician, that his family physician had referred him to another counselor, and basically he wanted to thank me very much, uh, but he had moved on. And so I kind of immediately responded and said, you know, oh, I wish you would have, you know, reached back to me because this happens and we could have moved on to the next level of your healing. So, but I also had this mm, feeling in my gut related to the ph physician. I kind of felt like if the physician knew I'd been quite successful in one single session in getting his suicidal thoughts to disappear altogether, why wouldn't he send him back to me? Credentials, 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 legitimacy, acknowledgement. These were the things that were playing on my mind. So I walk to the mirror and I decide, okay, I have the insurers to forgive, I have this client to forgive, and I have this physician to forgive. And as I stood there in front of the mirror, I began to stir, you know, like this deep stirring came where I, you know, it was kind of like the words were printed on my mind. I'm angry, I'm 
sad, I'm feeling a little bit unworthy, I'm feeling like, you know, isolated in that place where I'm completely alone, you know, blaming, shaming, all of these things are happening in my mind. And I say, okay, Joan, just pause for a second. You know what you need to do here. Let's just move through the journey and the process and see what comes. So I stand at first and in my right eye because our eyes are our visual field and are also our memory field, right? So in our eyes, we're carrying information about males and females and all of our memories are compiled there. So if I were to take my hand, for example, and move across your visual field from say the right to the left, there are certain times when your eyes are actually gonna shift or they're gonna stay still or you know they're just kind of gonna go blank uh, like a numbness and it is in that space where i'm moving my hand across that i know there's a timeline that i need to attend to because something has happened that has caused a response a fear response so when we do our forgiveness we look in different eyes based on who it is that we're forgiving if we are female, then the opposite sex will be in our right eye. If we are male, then the opposite sex is going to be in the right eye. It's always the opposite sex in the right eye. We see ourselves and the same sex in the left eye. So I'm looking at him, my client at first, and I'm asking the question, what do I want from him? And what I wanted from him was to come back, you know, and instead, he basically went on to search for another method rather than trusting me, you know, trust me, come and tell me there's a problem. Let's work it out together. Let's move to the next level. That's what I wanted from him. And instead, based on the advice of his physician, he basically left. I then turned my eyes upon the physician and I began to ask the question, what do I want from him? And it's the same sort of thing. Trust my credibility, trust my experience, trust that I have a method that works. Rather than, you know, in this space of determining that I cannot possibly handle the situation, referring my client on to somebody that you think can handle it more credibly and basically more legitimately. And of course, as I continue to the insurance companies, it's the same thing that's arising. Why are you questioning my credentials when legally I have a right to do this? Why are you restricting my clients from actually coming? Because there's a lot of clients that because their insurance company doesn't provide the benefits to them if they see me, they're gonna go the other direction. So I'm at that point where I'm no longer comfortable with continuing in this way. So as I stand there in front of the mirror, I begin to think to myself, and this is the question that we always have to ask. When was the first time, Joan, in your life, when was the first time you felt illegitimate? It didn't take me long. In a moment, I was able to pick out I think it started at birth and definitely it started by age five. I was born to a single mother and my father was in her life the entire time, but my father was married. I was born into an adulterous affair. And you know how the whole, the old saying goes, right? Those children who cannot be claimed are illegitimate. Now, I have my father's name, so I know he claimed me. But this is where the depth and the unfolding of the entire experience became very real, came alive in a way I was not anticipating. Even to share this, you know, in this kind of way, I know if I'm speaking to a black person, a Jamaican, for example, they are completely going to understand what I'm talking about. Even if they grew up in a two-parent family, we know that culturally, 
as part of chattel slavery, one of the things that often happened was that the male was used as this stud to basically impregnate women after woman after woman after woman. And that this has followed our culture in such a incredibly destructive way. So that so many children are born into families where they don't have a father living with them. And in some cases, they don't actually, they're not actually raised by their mothers either. So the reason why this legitimacy issue is bothering me so much is because of an earlier moment in time. But it's also happening now because I need to act. I've been far too comfortable in this place and now it's time to do something about it. Okay. So, you know, it's time to do something about it. Okay, let's face this. Let's actually dissect it for what it is. So the legitimacy is not only concerning my father, because I do believe my father loved me. I do believe in other forgivenesses, I've actually released him. And I actually dealt with the legitimacy issue but now I was spreading the net a little bit wider and I was beginning to look now more so at my extended family because with my extended family, I don't know them very much. I've never really been brought in. So first I journal, right? Like I never go to the mirror directly. Once I knew what the issue was, I got out of the mirror, I went, I sat down, I listened to some meditative music and I began to seriously reflect and I began to journal. And so here's what I had to ask myself. What did I want from my family, my extended family? What did I want from them? And of course the answer is I want acknowledgement and I want to be accepted. I want to be seen as a legitimate child and a member of the Samuels family. And what do I get instead? Well, for the most part, I don't know the Samuels family. The only time that I really met them was at my father's funeral. And even then it felt very awkward and there's never been anyone who has continually reached out to me. So I knew what I wanted, I knew what I got instead, and then I began to look at all the feelings. Well, now there's anger, now there's unworthiness, now there's dissatisfaction, now there's a sense of like a hunger, a yearning to belong, right? So belonging is one thing, you know, like there's some, there's a lot of reasons why we don't feel like we belong to something, but a family, we belong to unless there's some legal and legitimate reason why we can't belong. And so I began to think about all of these things. I began to think about the reasons why my family, I, I mean, there's still shame, like regardless of these things that are linked to chattel slavery and regardless of how common it is in society, there's still shame that my father would have felt. There's still like, you know, corrections and criticisms that would have happened. And so it was not necessarily okay for him to bring us into the fold. And even so, it would have been so disrespectful for his wife to have the family bring us into the fold. And she is still very much, you know, present. So as I began to understand all of that, of course, I'm having compassion. I'm seeing it from their perspective. And then something occurs to me in the middle of all of that. I have a younger sister. My father had yet another affair and he had another child. But when she was about eight, um, his wife died and he quickly remarried and married her mother. Yes, it's a bit complicated, but follow me. Right? So now my sister 
gets to experience the legal rights and legitimate claims to being part of the family. She has a completely different experience from me. She gets to go and visit the uncles in England and the United States. She gets to visit the aunts. They know her at the funeral. They are able to comfort her and all of these wonderful things. She belongs. And so as I begin to see all of this, as it begins to unfold, I then begin to see something about my credentialing. When you are legitimate, when there is a legal system that recognizes you, there are certain rights and privileges that you now have. And I began to think to myself, right there in the middle of this forgiveness, I began to think to myself, well, on two levels. First, I go to the practical, natural level. And the first place is this. I say to myself, well, I belong to a family of nurses. I belong to a family of nurse psychotherapists. I belong to a profession that is allowed to do psychotherapy in the province of Ontario. I belong to a profession that is recognized by the College of Registered Psychotherapists as able to provide counseling. And being legitimate, I should now be able to claim what is mine. That is, every client of mine should be able to go to their insurance provider, provide all these legal documentations, and have their benefits pay for my services. So, in the natural, you know, this reality, I say to myself, Okay, now I can write a letter to the pre president of every insurance company and I can issue this claim. <laughs> and I will. But here was the other thing. I began to think to myself on a spiritual level. I began to think to myself about something called sonship. <laughs> and I began to say to myself, well, but God, I know that I am adopted through Christ into what we call sonship. I know that I can call you father. I know what my claims are. So if I'm okay spiritually that my God is my father and that's the ultimate source of love, why does it matter? Why do I even think about legitimacy. And here was the epiphany that came forward to me. One of the things that Paul talks about is faith. And this is the way that I understand faith. Faith is a knowing. It's a knowing about the things that are unseen. And yet, it's faith, it's a trust that those things unseen actually exist and can come into the physical. So as I began to think about that, the way that I kind of see it is, if God shows me something in the spiritual, then by faith, I can manifest it in the natural because I know it's already there for me. I began to think about something else, something many of us don't think about. There are laws and principles that guide us in the spiritual realm. There is an actual court and a gathering of all of the gods. We got the ultra God, the Abba Father, but then there are sons of God that gather. And in this court, certain decisions are made. Certain decisions that impact my legitimacy. I began to think about is there something about my legitimacy here as the daughter of my mother and my father that is impacting my legitimate claim to certain rights and privileges like my prosperity and my abundance in the spiritual places, in the spiritual realm? And immediately I was like, yes. Deuteronomy 28 says this. It talks about listening to and being obedient to God. 
In Deuteronomy 28, I invite you to go and read it. It pours out all these blessings for the people who obey and listen to God. And then it lists a whole bunch of curses for those people who do not listen and who do not obey. What are we supposed to listen to? They're called the Ten Commandments. And one of the commands is do not commit adultery. And both of my parents violated that law. And I believe some of those things continue to impact my life, but they ended as soon as I did this forgiveness. In the midst of the forgiveness, I had to think about something. I had to think about the prayer that I needed to do in order to completely clear this thing, this Ill illegitimacy that can then be used as an accusation towards me and then limit my abundance and my prosperity. If you read Deuteronomy 28, it says this, you will have children to those who don't, don't listen and don't obey. You will have children, yet you will never raise them. I was not raised by my father. I was partially raised by my mother. It talks about your going in and your coming out will be cursed. It talks about things like your bread basket will be empty. Whereas if you do listen and you do obey, there's all of these blessings that just rush out like water. <laughs> As I stood there on doing the forgiveness and I came to this awareness. I love my God. I listen to my God. I am obedient to my God. So all the blessings should pour out. But if my father was disobedient, if my mother was disobedient and failed to listen, then their sins can follow me forward for up to three and four generations. Epigenetics at play. I began to think about the claims that certain spiritual elements can make against my life because of my parents. And I thought to myself, the way that I break that is to love them, to forgive them, and to love my God. Exodus 34 verse 5 and 6, where God is speaking about who he is. And he says, I'm a compassionate God. I am patient, I'm kind, I endure long, I forgive, I am righteous. I revisit the sins of the father on the children for up to three and four generations. It goes on in Deuteronomy and it says something different. It says it, it continues on and it finishes it by saying, but for those who love me, that transition or that revisiting of the sin ends. So I'm here and I'm saying to my God, I love you, so it needs to end. And so then I realized I was at the spiritual level where I need, needed to come to that place where my conscience is clear, where there's this full awareness and an obedience, a complete obedience to God. And that in this place of obedience, blessing, abundance, prosperity would come. I went back to the FLAB acronym. The FLAB acronym that we covered last week, it's F is for forgiveness. L is for loose, A is for agreement, and B is for bind. Well, we begin with the agreement. God has said, if I listen and obey him, here's all of these blessings that are gonna rush out to me. So in agreement, I begin to pray. Father, you have said that in my coming out and my going in, I will be blessed, that I will have abundance and prosperity that my, my storehouse would be full, that my bread basket would be full. I make all of those claims right now in the name of Jesus. And then beyond that, I say, Father, I'm in the process of forgiving. Forgive me for all the times I have sinned against you, but forgive my father and my father's father. Forgive this generational line that has been unwilling to love you and love you completely. Forgive my mother. And then I recalled something. My mother died uh, in December, December 8th to be exact. And 
I said the eulogy at her memorial and two days before the memorial or I think it was the night before the, the, the memorial, my mom appeared to me in a dream and she said something very simple but I, I sensed the urgency in what she had to say. She said, you have to talk about what your father did to me or else I will not be free. And I was like, well, what's she talking about? And I thought to myself, well, I mentioned my father in my mother's eulogy, but I, you know, only kind of tippy-toed around the fact that it was an adulterous relationship. And I felt like she was wanting me to express that and make it known that it was inappropriate. It was a sin. And so I did. But it was in this particular forgiveness that I was seeing the fullness of what my mother actually wanted me to say. You see how layered these forgivenesses are? This is not, it's not an easy thing to do by ourselves. And because I've been practicing this for some time and I actually help people do it, I can see the layers. But I want you to know that this forgiveness process is not only cleansing, but it's transforming and it's shifting the spiritual atmosphere all at the same time. This is the beauty of what I call becoming therapy. It's bringing us to a place of complete love, love for ourselves, love for others, love for our God. And then the blessings flow. I continued praying right? I bind the spirit of adultery. I bind the spirit of poverty. I bind the spirit of despair. I bind the spirit of isolation and grief and exclusion and illegitimacy. I bind the spirit of rage and anger that has been with me. I bind the spirit that blinds me to my identity, right? And as I bind all of those, I loose truth, <laughs> the spirit of truth, the spirit of life, the spirit of love, the spirit of, of just freedom and liberty. <laughs> I began to loose all of these into my life. And then I said, Lord, let abundance and prosperity flow. Even as I write this letter and prepare this letter, put in, in positions those people heads of the insurance companies, policy makers, decision makers, those people that will look at the contemporary view of who can offer counseling. Let them, without me even having to ask, recognize my legitimacy. Let them grant every single client their benefits in accordance with the legal rights and the spiritual rights that I have to make those claims. In Jesus' name. <laughs> And then the only thing I could do after that, as I moved through the remainder of the forgiveness process, as I let my family go, as I let my father and my mother go, I turned to my client and that doctor and even the insurance company that, you know, had emailed my client. And I said, thank you. Thank you because even though I thought I was going to the mirror to forgive one thing, it was something completely different that I had to turn to. And in turning to that thing, it elevated me to a whole different spiritual level where I could now make a legitimate claim in the spiritual realm about what belongs to me and now pull it by faith into the natural. Isn't that beautiful? I know it was beautiful for me and I hope as you're listening, you can connect what it is that I'm saying with your own life experience. I tell my stories not to be egotistical, not to like always focus on myself, but because I understand myself deeply and because I can then expose myself to you with the hopes that this exposure will help you to begin to expose your own self, your inner yearnings, the things that have been missing, you become aware of them. So as I thanked my client, I didn't even feel the need to forgive him anymore. 
because just as I've said to so many of the people who come to me, the people who come into our lives, who trigger something, who cause us to fear, are actually here to teach us something. And he taught me that there was this sense of lack that I needed to attend to. So I finished off the forgiveness. I finished off the prayer. I got to the part where I do the affirmations and the affirmations went something like this. I love my God. I love my family. I love myself. I am legit. I claim every right. I claim every right that is mine. Every legal right that I have in the spiritual realm, I claim it now in Jesus' name. There's a part where we say, I love you and I accept you for who you are. You know, because we always do the forgiveness of the other and then we do the forgiveness of ourselves. And so as I turned and I said to myself, Joan, I forgive you for moving on without me. Because that was what I said to my family. I forgive you, family, for moving on without me. Instead of acknowledging me, accepting me as a legitimate member of the family, I had to do the same for me. Joan, I forgive you for moving on without me. Instead of acknowledging me, accepting me, legitimately recognizing me as part of the family. And then I began to say things like, I'm a part of the nursing family. I claim that legitimacy. I'm a part of the family of nurse psychotherapists. I claim that legitimacy. I'm a, I'm a part of a discipline that can independently provide nursing care. And I claim that legitimacy and all, all of the benefits that come with being in this family. And as I began to say that to myself and I got to the very end, which is, I love you, Joan, and I accept you for who you are. I was also, it was almost like I was speaking the voice of God and he was saying, I love you, Joan, and I accept you for who you are. You are my daughter. You are my child. There are rights that belong to you and you can freely, you know, take hold of all of the benefits of being a part of the family of God right? Beautiful, stunning. And then we continue on, you know, the, the last part of the forgiveness process is all about saying, I am ready. I am ready. I am ready. I am ready to be happy and healthy. I am ready to live in a place and stand in a place of being legitimate. I am ready to make my claims about who I am, what I do, the beautiful process that this is, the powerful journey it takes people on and how it moves them from this place of believing they're mentally ill to simply understanding you're moving through a spiritual process. The process requires that you cleanse yourself of all of these things that darken your eyes to the love that is. <laughs> I continue on. The last part of the process is about I'm going to walk the path I was intended to walk. I'm intended to help people become powerful, authentic, genuine, the, the most you know, confident version of themselves. Not only that, but I'm intended to not just take this to individuals, but I'm intended to take this to groups of individuals and especially the African diaspora. Beyond that, I am developing the first psychotherapy certificate for nurses. It's gonna be developed by a nurse for nurses to empower nurses to do something so powerful in return for the people that they serve. And beyond that, this will go out to the family of God who desires to know him fully. And this is what I wanna to say to each of you who are listening right now. When you clear the way, when you clear out all of the things that cause you to be afraid and you take your place as a legitimate child of God, you move through this transformation journey. God speaks to you mouth to mouth. 
gives you wonderful visions and dreams too. So even if you don't get to the level of mouth to mouth, the clearing out allows you to hear from God in these beautiful, wonderful ways. So as I come to a close this morning after having um, gone through this forgiveness journey, the verse of the day came from Romans, and as I opened it up and read, <laughs> this was literally the day after my forgiveness. Here's what it had to say. For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons the spirit producing sonship by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also heirs of God follow their heirs with Christ sharing his spiritual blessing and inheritance if indeed we share in this suffering so that we may also share in his glory that comes from Romans 8 verses 14 to 17 and that's from the Amplified Bible so I think I want to close off by giving you just a little bit more and the little bit more is this. I've been introducing the questions of the forgiveness process. And what I want to say is, it's not just about answering the questions, but it's about, it's about a knowing, it's about a transformation journey that we're all on. We can all examine the question, what did I want? And we can examine what did I get instead. We can even sort out our feelings by doing a Google search and finding a feelings list. We can also go to the place of having compassion. But as we move through this process, I want you to know that something else is unfolding. And it's unfolding from a really... It's such a profound statement that was made by Paul in the book of Philippians. Philippians 1 verse 21 says this. Paul is talking about his own transformation journey. And what he's saying is, or what he comes to is this pivotal statement. He says, to live is Christ. To die is gain. So I want to explain just for a second why that is such a profound statement. I talked about the staircase, right? That we forgive in these layers, right? And what I want to say is we're also dying in each layer. It's a death to self. At first, we focus on the fleshy stuff. You know, we focus on the wrong that was done. Somebody stole something from us. Somebody told a lie. Somebody physically left us. Somebody physically sent us away. Somebody beat us. It could even be they murdered us. We focus on these things that the senses allow us to feel and we forgive them and we move past this place of just surviving. Every time we forgive, what we're doing is we are dying a part of ourselves is dying and yet a part of ourselves is also being raised up the part of ourselves that love we go to the next level and in the next level we're focused on our emotions we're focused on our intellect we're focused on just the things of the mind soulish things right and as we forgive in these different layers and look at these things and understand them from a spiritual perspective yet and again another part of us begins to die and it takes the soul a long time to die but then out of the soul rises this beautiful part of us that loves with clarity 
with a knowledge, a spiritual knowing and a spiritual wisdom, we go to yet again another level. And this is where the part of ourselves that wants to control, the part of ourselves that wants to direct our path, the part of ourselves that wants to determine what is right, is replaced by a conscience and a wisdom that is aligned completely with God. And yet again, another part of ourselves dies. And out of that miry clay rises the new self. And this new self is the very image of God. To die is gain. To live is Christ. To truly live is Christ. So in the same ways that I've talked about these layers, right? They're these three layers. I want you to think about it as three days in the tomb. Three days in the tomb before Christ rose and actually then rose to the heights where he sat at the right hand of God, rose to the heights where he then became the most powerful person on the planet, the light, the city on a hill, right? He then was then the most powerful in terms that he then was able to go out across the world because he was within us. So as you think about the tomb, the question is, how long are your three days? Are your three days going to be 40 years or are your three days going to be 40 days? That's how long it took Christ to be in the wilderness. 40 years was how long it took the Israelites. So as we move through the forgiveness journey, what we're doing is we are clearing those parts of ourselves, death to one part of ourselves, death to another part, death. And as we rise, we become a legitimate son of God who can claim an inheritance of abundance and prosperity and blessings that rush like the water. So I want you to know that though I am walking you through this process that can seem very intellectual, it's a spiritual journey that you're moving through. And there has to be a willingness, a true willingness to actually believe the things about yourself that God has said. I am legit. I am loved. I am forgiven. I have reconciled with my God. So I wanna thank you for listening to the Becoming Beautiful I Am podcast. My name is Joan Samuels Dennis. And if you so desire to reach out for any reason, whether that is to comment on what I have said here, or it is to seek some individual therapy, spiritual care, or it is because you are desiring to walk the path that God has laid out for you, reach out to me. You can visit my website at drjoan.ca. You can also follow me on Instagram at becomingbeautiful underscore I underscore am. If you're on LinkedIn, you can follow me at Joan Samuels Dennis, R-N-P-H-D. So until next time, rise, forgive, and live fearlessly.